model that together in this way. So I'm going to preach to you on the love of God and the brotherly love that's supposed to come out in the life of the church. As you're listening, don't just be thinking about us, but please be thinking about us. Let's be thinking about our brothers and sisters on that island, the Comoros Island in Eastern Africa, that these words would touch down in their souls as well. Let's ask for that and then I'll preach briefly. Father, your word is living and active and true. It's super clear to us that your command and desire for us is that we would love one another. I pray that that would not only become true in this church for the good of these cities, but also on that island where Sergio and Ali are serving. I pray that in the next year, it would be unprecedented the way that the believers on this island love one another. So hear our prayer for that and answer. I pray that you would do it. Amen. All right. My normal sermon is like a can of Mountain Dew. This is like a can of Red Bull because I've got 16 minutes. You ready to do it? I don't know if it's possible, but we're going to try. If you were to jump onto our 7mileroad.org website, that's the website for our family of churches. Up at the top of that site, there's a link that says, Plant With Us. And if you were to click on that link, it takes you to a page where we walk through the essential elements of becoming a part of the team that is seeking to plant gospel-centered missional churches like this in New England. And this is what you would read right here. It says, number one, love. We are personally committed to one another. And then just to clarify for you so you don't miss it, in parentheses we put, take a bullet, committed. Now here's the question. Why do we lead with this? So I have worked a ton of different jobs. I was the janitor at a daycare. And I have seen things and I have smelt things that I will never unsmell. And I was the cashier at a gift shop at a hotel, the Grandview Hotel. And I was a counselor for the Everett Rec Department. And I was a high school teacher in Lynn and a CFO in Revere. And in all the interviews for all of those jobs, nobody ever said to me in the interview, love. If you're going to work here, we need you to be personally committed to the people that you're working with. This office will not work if we do not love each other like that. Never had that conversation. Respect, yes. Collegiality, yes. Kindness, of course. But love, love. Not once. Okay, so then why, when it comes to the church, do we say, we can't even take a first step on this mission that Christ has called us to? 
if we are not rooted and grounded in love. Why? John's going to help us with that today. All summer long, we're working the words of the first letter of John in your Bible. He is writing to some beat-up, downcast Christians whose assurance of their standing with God was dental floss thin. It was that thin. Because some false teachers had been chirping some bad theology in their ears, causing them to doubt the gospel that they had been given. And so in love, John writes to give them two things. Number one, clarity. Here's what a Christian looks like. Clarity. And then number two, comfort. And that's what you are. That's the tone of this whole letter. And throughout the book, he gives them tests to prove the genuineness of their faith. We said it's like that yellow marker that you swipe on a $100 bill to see whether it's counterfeit or not. And he says, take these tests, swipe your soul, and if you are really a Christian, your soul's going to light up. That stripe is going to appear. The first test was last week, the obedience test. True Christians obey God in all things from the heart. This week is the love test. True Christians actually love one another. All right, here's how he says it. He says it four different times, so I'm just giving you one of them. Read these words with me. He says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. Okay, can you feel the test in these words? I need you to feel the test. Can you feel it? If your heart and your life are marked by affection for, concern for, care of, closeness with, generosity toward the other people who are in this room right now, you know that you have been born of God. Wow. And then the flip side, he always goes positive, negative. If there is nothing in your heart, nothing in your life, no evidence at all of any affection, care, closeness, generosity toward the other people in this room, but you call yourself a Christian? Yeah, that's me. Something is very wrong. True Christians love other Christians. If you are in this room and the actual state of your heart is, I don't care what this guy's name is. I don't care what her needs are. If he was bleeding out in the street, I'd have to think about it before going over to give some help. But you say, I'm also a Christian. John is saying something is not right. Okay, now let's run through his big ideas of why this is so crucial in the life of the church. The first big essential foundational thing he says is this. It's gonna knock you out of your seat. He says in chapter four, verse eight, God is 
love. This is such good news. Before anything else was, anything at all, there was God. And he was not a lonely, singular monad. And he was not an impersonal life force like Star Wars with the lightsabers. This God was a trinity. One God, but three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit relating to one another in a community that was marked by indescribably deep, rich, pure love. If you ever needed to have the warmest afternoon in your entire life, read these three things. You ready? Number one, Jonathan Edwards' sermon called Heaven is a World of Love. It's unbelievable. His thesis is that if before there was anything, there was the triune God in a perfect community of love, and if at the end of all things, the age to come, we have unveiled access to the presence of this God, then heaven will be defined, marked by love. That's good news. Then go read the second chapter of the book, The Deep Things of God, because this guy takes 40 pages to just imagine the interplay between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Just take your breath away. And then go read John's Gospel, 21 chapters, and focus in on the closeness of the Son with the Father. This is who God is all the way down infinitely, perfectly disposed within the Trinity with love. And so, if God is love, then that's what the church should be. This is the second big truth that John weaves into his spiral, and he says it like this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is wild, and I know it's church, and the fan is spinning, and you wonder if your kid just bit somebody, but like focus, because <laughs> this is wild. The Trinity, in whom love was perfected was not a click. You know what a click is? You know when three middle school girls become super BFFs and no one else is allowed in that cycle? You know how that works? All their Instagram posts only have three people in them and no one else is invited to the party? We did an Eventbrite thing for the women's conference that we did and since there's 180 seats, we set the cap at 180 people allowed into the room so the fire department did not get upset with us. The Trinity was not an Eventbrite community with a maximum of three. The Father and the Son and the Spirit did not keep all of that love to themselves, but in creation and in redemption, the love of God 
overflowed the banks of God and rushed and sped and crashed down on us. We have been invited into the love of God. And what was the highest and the truest expression of that love? The love of God is not a shallow and sentimental and sin-affirming love like we pitch it to be in Melrose, in Massachusetts. That is not the love of God. The love of God is a holy, costly, sacrificial love. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That God, at unspeakable cost to himself, acted for your good, for your joy, for your wholeness, for your life, by giving up his life. Christ dying in our place for our sins. This is Gospel 101. When God could have condemned all of us with simple justice for our many, 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 many unspeakable sins, he didn't do it. Instead, God loved us and sent his son for us to sweep us into their love. If you have never either heard these words before or owned these words before, please hear them and own them right now. This is the love of the gospel. God is not against you. He is infinitely, eternally, at the steepest cost possible for you. See that word in this verse? For. Personally committed to you. Take a bullet committed to you. Went to the cross committed to you. This is the love that God has for us. And what is the natural implication that John draws out for us? Anybody who has received that kind of love will, will give that love. This is just like Andy Grammer's mom taught us, right? I give love to all of my people. All of my people need love. I give some. I don't know if she's a Christian, but that's gospel right there. There's another way of stating this test. Nobody who has experienced the warmth of the love of God for them could be cold or harsh or apathetic or distant or neutral or closed to the other people who have received that love. Never going to happen. If you have been born of God, you will you should, you must have a life that is marked by love for the other people in this room. This is why we say to run with us, number one, personally committed to each other.
parentheses, take a bullet, committed. Now, not just in theory, but in practice. So the last thing that John does is he finishes this thought with something so helpful. He doesn't stay up in the lofty heights of rhetoric, right? So I'm a talker and I love to live up there. Let's just talk about it. Ooh. But he drives down to the weeds of reality. I had so many people say these words to me when they first found out that Grace was diagnosed with breast cancer and we were going to have a really tough treatment plan ahead of us. They said this to me. Anything you guys need, we got it. We'll do it for you. Now, of course you say that, right? Unless you're really cold in heart, you say that. Do you know how many of those people who said those words have not lifted a single finger to love grace or to love us? And my heart is not hard about it. I'm expressing truth to you and not the people that I'm looking at in this room. Nice sounding words of love, but where's the actual love? We love to say, I take a bullet for you. Right there, Jess, right in the kidney for you. But then, try getting them to actually give you a ride to the airport or to babysit your kid for like 20 minutes or to help pull up the rugs at your house. You make that call, what happens? Hey, I'm down to one bar. I'm in a tunnel. There's a UFO thing. It's breaking the signal. Ah, my battery. I'll catch you back. John says, no way. Here's his last thought. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, How does God's love abide in him? Stop it. Little children, let's not love in word or in talk. Let's love in deed and in truth. I don't know what your favorite verse is in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that this would be my wife Grace's favorite verse in the Bible. She has no interest in your words She has deep interest in your actions. Like, here's how I know you love me. Don't send me texts with hearts and exclamation points. That's how I communicate love, right? Like, hey, babe, love you, can't wait to see you. Hard, 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 blue heart, green heart, yellow heart, red heart, heart with the arrows, smiley face, smiley face with the glasses. And then the dog thing you can push, and then you can, like, talk, and the dog talks to you. No? All right. (laughs) Don't leave me post-it notes on my mirror or on the front door. No words. Take out the trash. Pick the kids up from school. Rake the leaves. Deposit the checks. Then I know that you love me. It's a beautiful thing to have realists in the life of the church, is it not? It's beautiful. What's her point when she says that? Same as John's point. Love is not a feeling. Love is not chit-chat. Love 
is a verb. So here's the big idea. True Christians actually love other Christians. If you have come alive to the gospel, we will be for our brothers and sisters in this room. So question, is this you? Is this me? Is this us? People who experience our community should be able to say, I got it. I can take my finger and I can put it on what it is about that place that makes it unique. It's not that they're nice. It's not that they're smiley. It's not that they pump music through the speakers and like everything feels like joyful. It's that they actually love each other. They would take a bullet for each other and then they live like that is true. I want that so bad because I want it to be unmistakable, unmistakable that this church knows God and loves God. Let's ask for that grace together here and in the, in the church on those islands. God have mercy.